0: Hey, welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. If you're a movie fan, you're gonna like this episode. We discuss what Paramount is doing right, and the possibility of what Discovery and Warner Brothers have in store. So welcome to this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Dude, I watched the Top Gun trailer, the extended trailer. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I don't know why I geek out about the Top Gun thing, but I I know it's gonna be good just from the rumors you've been telling me. So that's, that's got me more hype. Mm-hmm. Um, the extended trailer it was a little bit different, wasn't it? Cause they basically at the very end kind of give you the DVD extra kind of part of it of like how we made it, mm-hmm. but those shots of the G force, those guys taking off and hearing about how it's an IMAX, I think I understood the play a little bit of, this is a big screen experience when they, when they say, oh, we shot this on six IMAX cameras. You're like, oh, I need to go to the movie theater to watch this. And I think that was their point. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm stoked, man. I'm I'm ready for this movie to come out.
1: I don't blame you. I'm also very excited about it. Uh, <laughs> I've been excited about it since it was supposed to release two years ago. <laughs> and you're going to go to the theater and watch it. And right? I'm going, going to go to the, the theater like and Dune watch it. Like Dune on TV? Okay. As you have said, I have it on very good authority that it's a, a great movie. I can't reveal my source, but it's someone who is, is in sort of the upper echelons of Paramount and they have said it's a wonderful movie. So it's the... It's, To describe it, the way they described it is it's the kind of movie you go to the theater. It's the perfect popcorn movie. That's the best way to describe it. And that's obviously how they're positioning it. Great. And I wholeheartedly support the idea of the six IMAX cameras. Warner Brothers did something very similar with the set set Dark Knight. They talked a lot about how Christopher Nolan actually shot an IMAX versus conversion. So you get... For example, the first six minutes of Dark Might is all shot in IMAX. The robbery sequence, and that's why if you see it in IMAX, you get the floor-to-ceiling effect. That's right. like it, the entire screen is filled, and it's awesome. Yeah, instead of cheating, right? That's uh, yeah. Yeah. they're not cheating by converting it or try just pushing it onto a bigger screen like some movies do. Um, I will say though that the, the trailer itself, I, I wasn't I wasn't feeling it as much, and I think, and again, this may just be me. But I think the nostalgia play feels like the smarter move here. Like, just because honestly, I'm not sure they're gonna get a, like non fans to show up. Maybe they have research saying that non fans are kind of into this. I don't have access to that, so I can't speak to it. But in my, my sort of gut tells me that this is the kind of movie that's really gonna only appeal to the people who know and are familiar and love the original,
0: which is a big audience, don't get me wrong. No. So go with, go with this for me. Cause, cause educate me on this process. You've been in these meetings before you you've had to like face the fire with filmmakers or whatever. My, my theory would be, and this is just flat theory cause cause we're winging it here a little bit in that Tom Cruise gets paid based off a theatrical release. So they're pushing to say, go to the theater and so, there's another play besides like, hey, maybe we'll, we'll appeal to audience based off the story. I think they held back the film because of that theatrical thing. Because clearly, there was no reason to hold back the movie unless they were concerned about people going to the theaters. And then this last push is, again, like I feel like it's a big theater push. Do you think that's what it is? Like, do you think there's another like monetary Situation that they're stuck in that they have to be talking uh, about that more because, because well, <laughs> as you say that, I'm I'm kind of thinking you're you're right. Why didn't they just make it a traditional? Why didn't they just hype up the story and tell me Val Kilmer's in, in it and, uh, or whatever? Well, and, I mean,
1: well, they did. I mean, they they did they did give a shout out to him in the this new one that he's the admiral who recommends yeah Maverick for the job. But you know, I think part of it is Tom Cruise is 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 very committed to theatrical, and I do, and I. I don't think at any point there was ever going to be a scenario where he was going to be okay with releasing this film on streaming. And that was probably what sort of held their feet to the fire of resisting, releasing it when there were still some restrictions across the country. Um, and I'm not sure what his deal is. I'm sure it's quite rich, but the, the other side of that is his movies have a tendency to be very expensive because he does a lot of his own stunts. Um, and he constantly wants to switch things up, uh, try new things. I mean, I think in this one, he actually flew the planes versus the first one. We
0: was just in a simulator. So, um, he is known for pushing. It did look like that in the, in this trailer, it looked like he's sitting in the driver's seat. Yeah. Yeah, He's known for pushing the
1: boundaries. Um, you know, we all know the stories about his mission Impossible antics and all the things that he's done, like high, literally hanging outside the outside of a plane as it takes off he actually did that which is insane but that's what people expect from him now he has that brand so that obviously increases the costs and regardless of what you say about it going on the streaming the reality is movies make more money if they have a box off a longer box office run especially if they have a shot of making a lot of money which obviously top gun 2 does so i think that is a big factor Cruz is committed to um, theatrical, and he has a lot of pull at Paramount. Um, they've invested a lot of money in him. With all the Mission Impossible's they have coming up, there are two they're shooting right now, back to back. Basically, it's going to cost them a ton of money, so they're very invested in him being sort of the consummate movie star. And I think that is one of the reasons why they're pushing this sort of this is the only, this is the thing to see in theaters. Don't wait till it comes on streaming. It's not it's not worth it and it's an interesting play i think that's a smart way to do it by talking about how hey we actually shot it in IMAX so if you if you pay to see it in IMAX you're actually going to get the IMAX experience now whether or not that broadens to a, a wider set of audience and whether or not the nostalgic fans care about that i'm not entirely sure that's accurate but at the same time it gives them another another aspect to to play to the audience to convince them to drop the money to see it in theaters and not wait for 45 days till it hits streaming.
0: Well, one is I, I, right. I'm kind of, I'll go with that basic idea too is, yeah, great. It's a theatrical release. It is Top Gun. Let's get people out there. Um, And I do think this big push is to say, get in the theater and do that work. Um, But I also think of the other movies are being released. I don't, I don't know if there's any other movie I'm that excited about. I think um, the, what's a Mobius movie was there. I have
1: a question for you, Tim. Uh, Are you going to go
0: see Sonic the Hedgehog? two. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to say something. To <laughs> Why to. Not?
1: Everybody else is.
0: I mean, come no, on. No.
1: I mean, that's the other I, thing. Well, you're talking what? about the
0: Jim Carrey movie, right? Yes. The one where Jim, yeah. Yes. No, no.
1: And while we're talking about it, we have to, while we're talking about Paramount, we have to give all credit to Mark Weinstock and his team because they are crushing it when it comes to marketing. This is their fourth, fourth, number one open in a row, I believe. Sonic the Hedgehog 2? Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which, by the way, has made $72 million in its three-day weekend, which is more than the original, which, by the way, opened in February of 2020 before everything shut down. And that still wow. made 58 in its opening weekend. So they increased their box office from the first original, which is great. It got pretty solid reviews, but a cinema score, which is great for a movie of that caliber. Um. So that
0: will make it four. Wait, so wait, this is the fourth movie. So
1: you're Quiet talking about Place movie? Two. Paramount,
0: Quiet Place 2. Okay, yeah. Which was, we talked about that a lot. Right. Uh, the pandemic, they, yeah. they kind of played the game and did it right. Well, wow, yes. they're playing the theatrical game, aren't they? Paramount, man, they're coming yeah. back. And then, and then uh, Scream, which
1: debatable okay. whether or not that's actually a quote-unquote hit, but it did open up to number one. Three, and relaunched a franchise which was essentially dormant. Yeah. 3 was Lost City, which did very well and oh, is continually do uh, well.
0: Dude, I love that movie.
1: Yeah, we went exactly. to the theater and watched it. It was yeah. so fun. And it's then so the, fun. And then the fourth one is Sonic and obviously the fifth will be Top, top, top but they're going to open Top Gun. I mean, come on. That's so
0: wow, So Top Give me. Top Guns are also Paramount. Wow, that's pretty how All it,
1: theatrical. So, I mean, again, the fact that they're able to their marketing department's able to open these movies and do well is Speaks to the sort of the team that Mark has assembled. I do feel for Jim Gianopoulos, who is essentially responsible for putting the slate together and is just sitting on the sidelines while all his movies open and do oh, right. pretty well
0: right. thereafter. So, um, well, his you know, genius is showing up right now, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, it is. I come what's going on at Paramount where they they I guess had no risk. I mean, those films aren't don't feel like they're number one films. When you compare them to what's tradi- what's been happening in the last five years, ten right. years or so, or right. you're comparing it to a Marvel movie, but when you hold back all the other movies, you have these these kind of fun films to go watch and see and be entertained by.
1: Yeah, but it's also they they do have a distribution chief over there, Chris Aronson, who is pretty genius with his dating strategy, and
0: I think they've just been putting. And you these- mean you mean the date it's released, not di- going out on dates right. with. Sorry, Definitely. that
1: was it. That was a industry jargon. Jargo. Totally I Apologize. Yeah.
0: Dating strategy. Uh, da-
1: not dating. Uh, the date the movie was released.
0: And we're is, not talking uh, about Chuck Woolery yeah, moments right. here. Where See we're seeing two, yeah. and two. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, he, he, he has just put the movies in just the exact right spot. Like Quiet Place Two, they held to that right at the moment when people were starting to hunger to go back to the movies. Scream horror, which has always do, does pretty well in in is definitely a, a theatrical play. Lost City, which was very much a genre and an audience that had basically been ignored for almost two years, yeah. And then you come with uh, Sonic, which is families who haven't had an opportunity to go to the theater because Disney keeps pushing all their Pixar stuff on a Disney Plus. So now these parents have the opportunity to take their kids to the theater, and obviously parents are now comfortable to go back to the theater, take their kids to the theater. Um so they and that coupled with a very smart obviously marketing strategy I think has has served them quite well. And you know it'll be interesting to see like how this plays with cuz you know if you read between the twi- tea leaves Brian Robbins who's now the current chairman of Paramount the studio I should say because Paramount Global is the parent company now. Um sure was hired to push streaming. Like that's I you know the rumblings yeah. were he went to Sherry and said, listen, I can make this work. I can help a Paramount Plus. Um, just give me the keys to the kingdom and I'll make it happen. But now you have all these movies that have been successes that are clearly purely theatrical plays. So over the course of the next six months to year, we'll probably start to see the Brian Robbins strategy come into play. Because I think a lot of what we're seeing now is basically Jim Gianopolis's. Strategy could play out.
0: Their streaming strategy is kind of funny, anyway. Like I, I swear I watch Paramount re- created items on streaming. I don't have Paramount Plus. I watch them like on on Hulu or Apple or I watch it somewhere else.
1: Right. Well, if you have Ye- Yellowstone's the biggest example of that because Peacock has the exclu- uh, the rights to it. Yes, yeah, so and Peacock Yellowstone is one yeah. of the is the art. Well, I think it is the most popular t- show on TV right now, and Paramount it's not on Paramount. Plus some peacock
0: and what's uh where's 1883 because i know that's the same that's on paramount plus
1: that's on that's on paramount plus so that is because that that's in the taylor sheridan universe which is what paramount is building and paramount plus so you know you can see i watched
0: it through my prime right it's paramount plus through prime i know that sounds really lame how i go about it but that's that yeah um Actually, I think I saw it in a an Academy screener, so that's probably my brain. It's funny. I literally, I
1: just got an email today, this morning, from Peacock, just you know, goosing me to binge all four seasons of Yellowstone on Peacock. Yeah, (laughs) which is hilarious because I I didn't make
0: it. Have you seen it yet, Yellowstone? Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Love what is story. happening? Let's talk about that for a second. Cause 1883 is doing the same thing. Yeah. It's a very cinematic experience. Yeah. Like they, it is not Netflix content. It's not power of uh, the dog with its Sort of scanning
1: vistas. As our former guest, Robin and yeah. pointed out, have absolutely nothing to do with the story.
0: <laughs> it has, um, it has that like Ozark strategy where there's always a cliffhanger, but it's also, it's very cinematic. It's, yeah. it's, Pretty pretty amazing to watch it. Some, sometimes the episodes are almost like, okay, that could have been five minutes. They get, a little, c- minutes they get a
1: little CW every now and then, but for the most yeah. part, they're, they're pretty solid.
0: But And then the 1883, <clears throat> it's, it's great. It, yeah. It's the opening sequence where it's starting, how the storyline rolls itself out, um, and how these players bring themselves together. But I'm going to guess... Financially, they take, they spend, there's some money shots where they're doing certain items, but mm-hmm. then they've probably figured out the budget where it's like, no, it's just a ranch. So the setting is, like in 1883, they're, they're simply just traveling on the open range. Like, yeah, well, there's nothing to pay for. You're just getting, getting <laughs> yeah, on the right. open range and have, have dialogue. The only
1: thing you're paying for is a period clothing.
0: <laughs> but those makers, if the, the, uh, the directors and the creator. Tara Sheridan. Um, it's, Yeah, it's awesome. It's really, really well. Well, he's building
1: a whole. uh, He's building a whole universe. Like he has eighteen eighty three, and now they're going to do triple uh, sevens, which is the the um, the ranch in Texas where the one cow, the one um, guy, is sent to actually become a real cowboy. I think it's called the Quad Sevens or something like that. It's like a fictional ranch in Texas. Oh, and they're going to do a show around that now so it's like they're building he's building this universe so as as our former guest tim Heinle pointed out it's sort of like building this multiverse of 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 stories around a central popular uh character or characters or um st- universe if you will and that's what they're doing at paramount and it's it's so far it's working um they're getting some good burn on their um the offer too there's been some really great comments online and Which is their show about the making of the godfather so they might see some upticks on that um so i think you know it'll be like i said it's interesting to see what comes out of paramount moving forward because as i said this is the jim giannopoulos slate when he was committed to theatrical and he was like i'm not getting up theatrical i'm a movie guy this is where they belong in movies i'm not selling everything to netflix and amazon that isn't a big ip driven pick like the sony strategy so you know it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because again over the course of the next few months we'll start to see brian (laughs) robbins um green lighting authority start to show up in some of their their picks so
0: well it's amazing that paramount is just stepping up and thrive i mean they're the come from behind winner right now clearly where the major other major studios were it's sony i'm talking about sony disney universal and warner brothers you mm-hmm. know, think about their strategies during the um, pandemic. They didn't. They didn't really step up. They kind of like pulled back, waiting for it to get over. Which we know that was kind of a. Yeah, idea.
1: I mean, I think we could we could take. It. So Sony basically they took the tack of as I just mentioned, anything that's heavily IP driven, Marvel, something like that, or a big sort of IP sequel, um, that's theatrical play. Anything else that doesn't look like it's going to make money, will sell to Netflix and Amazon. And they doubled down on that by signing deals with both those companies. And then you had Universal, which was sort of the, I mean, they were even before the pandemic, they were always the ones that were trying to figure out how to play with the release strategy to optimize revenue. And they sure. were the ones that committed to releasing Sing, I think it was Sing2, um, exclusively online um, for straight uh, premium VOD play. And then they were the ones that started signing deals with the um, major chains to say, like, well, if our movies don't open, like, Ambulance, within 17 days, it's going to Peacock. And Ambulance, I think, will be one of the first ones that sort of falls under that rubric. So they will, within like a week and a half, it'll be on Peacock. Dude, Ambulance, like, yeah. <laughs> well, we can talk about that in a second. I do want to talk about that in a second. And then, <laughs> and then you, and then you have uh, Warner Brothers, <laughs> which we should talk also talk about, but you know project popcorn pushing all their 2021 slate onto hbo max to goose subs there which it arguably seems like it might have worked whether or not it was a money maker for them that's eh, debatable because of all the money they had to shell out to keep talent happy um and then and then you're right paramount has been sort of the quiet in the, in the background. Listen, they've had to deal with a lot, you know, first of all, leadership change in the midst of the pandemic, which is never fun. And also the rumors that they're basically being propped for a sale. And, you know, that's not always the best um, place to be in. And then of course you have all the streamers that are sort of, you know, taking their market share as well. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, like I'll just take it from a consumer point of view. I find some of this, the whatever the strategy is, sometimes it feels like it contradicts itself in the marketplace. Right. Mm-hmm. So HBO, I swear I watched again. I think I watched that on Hulu. Cause I don't, I don't even know if I have an HBO max subscription, but I know I watch a lot of HBO content. Um, um, the Lakers, um, thing wasn't Tammy. It isn't Tammy Faye. Wasn't that movie? I was Hulu. I, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Might've been. Hulu. Yeah.
0: But I swear, like I see the HBO logo a lot and not on HBO max. Um, so they, I feel like they, there's these weird distribution ideas and then, but you get this idea of a push of like, no, HBO max is the platform for Warner brothers, except for HBO items. Gonna, we're going to, we're going to watch those on Hulu. You're like, that doesn't, what the heck's going well, on Well,
1: technically though, you do what you are subscribing to HBO max via Hulu. It's, I know it's confusing, but that's technically what you are
0: subscribing to. So Hulu's basically just cable TV and HBO is a channel on right. cable. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean more or le- more or less. H- I mean I I believe if I'm not mistaken they've gotten rid of HBO altogether. It doesn't exist. You either get HBO Max or you don't. Like that's there's no that when they first launched HBO Max it was like there was HBO Max and there was HBO. I mean it was a total shit show of a rollout. Yeah. And but the benefit one of the ancillary benefits of Project Popcorn is that it solidified HBO Max as where you went to see HBO material. not There's no difference between HBO Max and HBO. So you going on Hulu, you are going basically on HBO Max. You could technically sure. download, you probably technically download the app to HBO Max and still be able to access it because you already have a subscription through Hulu. It's like
0: watching Paramount Plus through Amazon. Like Correct. What, it's like, yeah. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Which you're using like, as hell. even have an app? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: It's just like, Jesus, you guys make it any more complicated?
0: <laughs> yeah. And it is the, the consumer space. I, I think about it, you know, m- like my mom doesn't think about it. And probably why my mom just watches cable TV because everything. That's to my parents. Where would you find it? Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so Warner Media Discovery, it's a real thing, huh? Yeah. Discover War- Wait, Discovery Warner Media, I believe is what it's called now. Original title. <laughs> Why? Yeah, yeah. They're, wow, that's really special. Why can't we just get rid of the word Warner Media off the planet? How about we deal with Warner Media and AOL and Warner Media? And- well,
1: it's a it's it's a brand. I mean, especially among the ministers, everyone knows Warner and Warner Brothers. It's a classic legacy studio, and I mean, I get why they kept it. It's just not exactly a brilliant use of the name, and their logo isn't exactly something to write home about in terms of design. Um, but yeah, this past week was their first week. David Zasloff was sort of in charge. There was a raft of departures last week, late last week. Most of the uh, team that John Stanky from AT&T had put in place is gone. Jason Kalar and Ann Sarnoff being the most prominent of those two. Um, wait, and for- wait
0: uh, is it exit, like pushed or just? Uh, I think, uh, well,
1: Jason Kalar was pretty much assumed he was leaving. Like the minute, I mean, this, the, the merger was announced the day that a, a piece, a puff piece about him ran in the wall street journal and how, right. of, of how he's changing media. And then that night, the day they announced the merger, which basically makes him mute like, yeah. and so it was pretty much assumed he was gone because he was the AT&T guy and AT&Ts are very corporate. It's very corporate. So they like their layers where clearly, you know, David Zasloff came in and was like, listen, I don't need all these these layers, these people. I want them all reporting to me. So, now he has like 20 direct reports. So, I'll be interested to see how he handles all this. Um, I supp- he has said that um, Toby Emmerich can stay at Warner Brothers. Um, the head of uh, Warner Brothers TV can hang- stay uh, as well. For for now, it seems like. Um he did apparently look around for a potential movie studio head, but I guess nobody was really, really need to take the, the or he just didn't find the right candidate. At I'll take moment. it. Yeah. I didn't know he wanted. Yeah, <laughs> <No>, sure. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, the people in the water and in, in Burbank have been through a lot the last couple of years. The at t sliced and diced that company pretty harshly, and now. Zaslav's so on the hook to deliver three billion dollars in savings, which means a lot of layoffs and synergies, and they are there's a ton of debt that he ha- they have to pay down. So it'll be interesting wow. to see like what happens and you know how it all plays into their, you know the the theatrical versus streaming, and now they have to figure out what they're going to do with HBO Max because HBO Max and Discovery are apparently going to be all one now. So you have to deal with what that's going to look like. It sounds like like what
0: he's doing is he's taking um, online items and pulled this way, but also gives him a moment for Discovery to play in theatrical. So he's allowing Discovery to go and gain some more notoriety in theatrical, or maybe not. I mean, Discovery could just stay where it is, but (laughs) he he himself can go play in the theatrical. Right.
1: I don't think so. I think he's installed a lot of his loyal lieutenants from Discovery in positions of influence. Um, so they're going to have a big say in it. Um, you know, I think he, he did the usual r- making of the rounds in Hollywood, sort of talking to all the people, you know, Brian Lord hosted several parties at his house where everyone came over to meet David and kiss the ring and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, it, it, like I said, it'll just be interesting because they have been through so much and it has been sort of up and down over the course of the last, um, Few months and years, and Jason Kalar was a bull in a china shop for, in a lot of ways, in terms of just coming in and saying, "This is how we're going to do things, and I don't care what right. what you guys have done in the past. We're doing it this way." And tower relations, p? What are those like? So you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this all sort of works out. I think it's gonna be the next six months are gonna be pretty rocky in terms of just sort of the transition and the synergies of the companies together. Um, you know, what's going to, is is streaming going to be the priority? Are they going to play the game of quality over quantity or, but at the same time, the wall street and investors are going to push them to, to prove that this was a worthwhile merger. And, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, discovery has a very loyal audience and they play a lot more in the, um, reality space which is not necessarily something that Warner media has a ton of experience in per se. I mean, they do have, you know, the, some stuff there, but.
0: It feels to me like they recognize the behemoth that Disney is and all the different um, areas and distributions and piece p- types of content that you can create and still mm-hmm. be very powerful. Yeah. Uh, Discovery was is obviously held back a little bit. They didn't have the notoriety or the, the inroads to make that happen. Warner media has all the channels, right? That's yeah. the opportunity. Um, but it looks like a heavy lift, according to the CNN business article about it. The company has some 40,000 staffers. So <laughs> 40,000 employees, many of whom are concerned about layoffs. So, so you can really like the power of that kind of merger to get and make that ship move is going to. Well, be yeah, I mean
1: they're, they're carrying something in a range of 48 to 50 billion dollars in debt, I believe. It's one of the most heavily leveraged companies ever in terms of their debt load. So they're going to have to really look for that 3 billion of savings that was promised in the merger. And a lot of that is going to come from sort of the, the overlap between, you know, cutting and down scale. And I mean, I don't think it's really going to affect a lot of the people at Warner Brothers because they're mostly just the, you know, theatrical people, but sort of like the streaming world between discovery plus and HBO max, like, Oh, well how many of those like a lot of the marketing people are probably going to get let go because there might So obviously going to be some crossover there and then there's the cnn plus of it all which has sort of had a rough ride the last week it launched i think last two weeks ago and as and the numbers differ on whether or not it was a horrible launch they have no subscribers versus like a pittance um but it's a real an issue for them and Jason Kilar pushed ahead and they have somewhere in the neighborhood of like 400 people working there. And, you know, I think the first place that's going to get sort of a little bit of a a dieting or a a cut will be, uh, will be CNN plus. Um, And then we'll have to see what they do with that. Is that just going to become a tile on sort of the discovery, HBO, whatever
0: that, streamer ends up looking like or it's a, it's a good time to be buying cnn between election cycles so that we can uh yeah uh, they can get a big uh, like media and depending on
1: and- depending on the party who's in control in november cnn's <clears throat> ratings might go up again <laughs> so yeah yeah, we never exactly
0: know. <laughs> all right discovery is like vote republican because yeah because we need, more we need viewers viewers you guys on come back to cnn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i know right I know it's, it's such a big kind of moment in our industry too. Like these big mergers always have this thought process of what feels like old school thoughts is like, let's take two behemoths, put them together and maybe we'll make something even bigger out of it. Um, But our conversation about Paramount and realizing that there's, there needs to be something that's nimble really happening. Mm -hmm. And the thought of like a bigger tech giant, another bigger tech giant trying to do some bigger thing or what, I don't know, you know, like it just, feels like the world is asking different questions nowadays. Um, and I'd be curious really where Discovery uh, does their cutbacks and just dis- kind of discovers where their vision is going to be. I get the idea of distribution, but we'll see it in the content, honestly. We'll see what, what they actually come up with, what the slate of creators they have out there, how Warner Brothers is going to be handled, how CNN is going to be handled, and then what they're really going to do with the Discovery brand. Yep. Cuz Discovery Brand is the one that's the it they're the one buying doing the buy, du, buying but it almost feels like a reverse acquisition where Discovery is really buying the notoriety of Warner Brothers and maybe the strategy of Discovery. So
1: Yeah. We'll see.
0: It'll be like I said
1: the next 6 months I think are going to be rough for a lot of people but after that I think we'll get a clearer sense of what what the future holds for Discovery Warner Media. <laughs>
0: Oh, warning me to discover I
1: can't remember the name of it.
0: (laughs) All right. I I appreciate the fact that there's a lot of stuff that's happening and new questions being asked. Um, Some of what I'm looking forward to in the next year really is how post-pandemic, we'll see which strategies will kind of Mm -hmm. build up studios, which one's going to get viewers. And maybe there'll be a shakeup at Netflix and somebody will actually wake them up to what it takes to make it They like.
1: have a, a earnings report on Tuesday, I believe. And there's 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 some nerves happening because I think they're gonna miss their numbers. And I think that's gonna, their stock's gonna take a bit of a beating. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. the next few weeks shake out over at uh, in Hollywood at that ginormous Netflix building. <laughs>
0: That's what. So the, that's the campaign, right? We have uh, Discovery trying to get people to vote Republican so that they get people to watch CNN and Netflix trying to vote Democrat so we'll have another shutdown and that way we can sit inside <laughs> and watch sit more Netflix and watch though, TV all day. it mean, like the big media <laughs> clash between the two giants. I mean, there are races coming up. Well, my friend, I appreciate that. Have a great holiday weekend to and enjoy Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that might be more of your family demographic than mine yeah i
1: i've 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 started to you know my kids are starting to point him out when you see him on you know thing oh, that's Sonic I'm like i I get I get what you're trying to say,
0: okay, maybe,
1: yeah. maybe we have to do the first one first.
0: I think I miss Sonic. I think that's like like that's one of those weird windows, like two years later, and I might have been a Sonic. A fan because, you know, the video came out just at, at the age where I wasn't really going to play video games anymore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I feel like that with, like, Transformers or whatever, like, just a few uh, different years, and I'd be a Transformers fan, but instead, I'm like, ah, I, I was too grown up. Well, I, pl- I, I played like the video game. 18, That's why it. I know the character. Yeah, the game, right? That's how, yeah. <laughs> and Mario, same way, like, I don't know. So, I don't really care about Sonic, I'm to be honest <laughs> with you. Good know, and Thanks. then that weird Jim
1: Carrey, well, he actually works. He works in for playing the the villain. It's a, it's a good fit for him, I think.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enjoy the film. Have a Thank great you. I will. You too. Goodbye. <laughs> okay,